Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine for this Thursday, the 13th day of October. I'm Julie Hersey. A timber company run by Yakutat's Village Corporation is dissolving. Yak Timber was created four years ago to harvest 21 million board feet of land owned by Yaktat Kwan, Incorporated. The logging subsidiary has since harvested about three-quarters of that and shipped it to China, according to its website. As Coast Alaska's Angela Denning reports, Yak Timber is shutting down after pushback from shareholders on a proposal to log an important island just outside of town. Yak Timber's logging has been controversial in Yakutat, a village of about 600 people in the Gulf of Alaska. As a subsidiary company, it's supposed to extract value from corporation land holdings to fund dividends for shareholders. But Yakutat's tribal and municipal governments, plus a significant number of shareholders, have spoken out against past clear cuts that they feared would damage salmon habitat and endanger their way of life. More recently, Yak Timber has faced backlash over a proposal to log corporation land on nearby Kantak Island. Kantak is considered a barrier island for our community. Mary Knudsen is the cultural heritage director for Yakutat's tribe. It literally sits right in front of town and blocks all of the harsh storms that come off the Gulf of Alaska. And so it prevents us from having high-speed winds and, you know, it protects from tsunamis. Yak Timber plan to log the island by thinning rather than clear-cutting, picking specific trees and leaving most of the forest intact. In a letter to shareholders, parent company Yaktak Kwan Incorporated says the decision to log the island was made in the community's best interest. The corporation says it had hoped to use the revenue from the timber harvest to fund new business ventures and help community members build homes. But that was still too much for many. Knutson says besides the island being important geographically, it's culturally significant. Before we had the practice of burying people in one specific location, we would also cremate them, which would then make the trees culturally modified trees, right? So we haven't been able to do enough exploration over there as the tribe to be able to say where all the specific locations could be. None of the streams that are over there are cataloged by the state currently, so they don't have anadromous protections. That's Hava Roloff, the tribe's fisheries biologist who has been hiking around Kantak. She says even though state biologists haven't recorded ocean-going fish in the streams, they're perfect for coho salmon. It's all ideal coho habitat. It just screams coho habitat. So that's my goal right now is just kind of mapping the whole stream network out there and making sure that if coho are utilizing those streams that they're documented and that they'll be protected Yaktak Kwan cites opposition to the Kantak logging operation as its reason for shutting down. With debts coming due and no viable source of revenue, the corporation's board says it was left with no choice but to dissolve Yak Timber and sell its assets. Yak Timber and Yaktak Kwan Incorporated did not respond to requests for comment. But some shareholders say they're not to blame for Yak Timber's shutting its doors. If you read the fine print, that's what it sounds like. Is It's our fault that we didn't let them... Go do this. Jason Jensen is a shareholder descendant who worked for a company that Yak Timber contracted to load its timber onto ships. Pretty much all the shareholders here have the same mindset that it sounds like they're trying to pass the blame on the shareholders for them not being a successful business venture. Jensen says shareholders weren't privy to the corporation's finances and there's been a problem with transparency. 
Meanwhile, he says the timber company set itself up for failure by taking out loans, acquiring equipment, and getting into more debt without communicating with shareholders. It just seemed like every step of the way there was a roadblock. There was something, canceled meetings, canceled elections, and nonstop stuff in the road to, to block the shareholders from getting the information that they wanted. And so at some point in time, the number came out that there was like $14 million in loans. And the collateral was land that the shareholders never agreed to give up. Yaktak Kwan says the company plans to sell all of Yak Timber's equipment and assets at an auction in Seattle in the coming months. Reporting in Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Petersburg School District has taken the first steps in rebuilding the school roofs. They were damaged last winter from heavy snowfall. For now, the roofs are functional and fully repaired, but the school district still plans to replace them. In KFSK's Campus Connection radio show on Tuesday, Superintendent Erica Klute-Painter said the roofs are a high priority. Um, We had quite a winter uh, last year, and so (laughs) the roofs actually... Mm -hmm. multiple on the secondary buildings over here um, have been on a capital improvement list and actually on the on the boroughs um, top four list as well for for several years now Um, but uh, last year definitely brought it to a head um, after the massive amount of snow and ice and there was quite a bit of damage that came from that most of the damage was from ice chunks forming on top of buildings the roofs on the middle and high schools were the most damaged those students missed the first week of january because of leaks We've completed all of our um, insurance repairs, but we are working through the process of the capital improvement project process mm-hmm. through the Department of Education and through the state. And that's a, a kind of a reimbursement uh, program, and there's a lot of hoops to jump through to do it. And so we're actually spending this year doing all the pieces. The school now has a report on the scope of rebuilding. They don't know yet how much those changes will cost, but they know the process will be long. Sarah Holmgrain is the president of the local school board. Yeah, we're glad we survived, at least. (laughs) We just need a new roof before the next big clobbering. The school is expecting the roofs will be replaced in the summer of 2024. And you can find more of that conversation on the Campus Connection Archive on kfsk.org. Petersburg High School's cross-country team attended the Division Three state meet this past weekend in Anchorage, where seven schools competed in the girls' division and seven in the boys' division. Petersburg girls' team of five runners placed fourth. The boys' team didn't have enough runners to qualify as a team, but two runners competed individually. For the girls, junior Kinley Lister took sixth place with a time of 21 minutes and 46 seconds. And junior Daniel Asprey took second place for the boys with a time of 17 minutes and 36 seconds. KFSK's Avery Harriman Sakamoto caught up with Coach Tommy Thompson and one of the runners this week to hear about the state meet. Well, let's start with the girls. Um, they ran first. And uh, Kinley Lister was our number one girl. She finished in sixth place overall. She had been the number eight runner last year and she had some very specific goals again she was overcoming some injuries this year but she ran super strong she seemed to get stronger throughout the race she knew where she was going to be and she didn't go out too fast at regions she went out pretty quick and i think at regions she might have ended up in fifth place i hope that's correct but when we got to state um in terms of the um southeast girls she was actually the second uh Southeast girl, um, Ariel from Haynes uh, was ahead of her. Ariel finished second. She was the defending state champ from last year, but she um, 
uh, lost this year to Taylor Eddington from Tri-Valley. But Kinley was our second finisher from Southeast uh, at a 21.46. So she was close to her PR. She had a fantastic run up there. And, again, she looked really strong, really strong finish. She's a very good hill runner. And so she took advantage of that where she powered up the hills. And then um, her legs are long enough where she came down really strongly, too. Gabrielle was uh, our second finisher. She came in at 24.40. And, and she might mention it wasn't her personal best but it was her personal record on this state course and she hopefully has three more years to to overcome that time but she ran really strong the whole way she at the 1.5k she was giving us the sign of oh, i can't do this anymore uh but then she just got stronger and stronger and she pulled away from some other kids she finished 21st overall out of 76 runners and then kate thompson finished just behind her in 22nd and then alexis sakamoto kazan um, who's our senior, our lone senior this year. She finished 24th. And then um, in 37th was Eleanor. And so we had all of our girls in the top half of the competition. We finished fourth overall. I was thinking we might squeeze in second or third this year, but we uh, we got gapped a little bit. There was a lot of good runners up there that we didn't know about. The Glen Ellen had a really strong team. And then uh, the Sockeye Co-op, which is a Bristol Bay team, were pretty strong this year. And then, of course, Haynes, state champs again. So uh, we're, we feel fortunate that, you know, four or five times per year we get to run against uh, that great team from Haynes. They've got a coach, uh, Jordan Baumgartner, who has roots here in Petersburg because his brother, Tyler Thane, is one of our teachers here. So um, it's it's fun to run against such great competition and such great coaches. Our boys... Uh, we just took two boys up this year, and they had just absolutely fantastic runs. As far as um, when I've gone up with only two boys before, I've I've never had such good finishes. In the past, maybe seven, eight years ago, we would just have one or two boys qualify. I mean, and we had all six boys qualify this year, but um, only two went up. And those two, uh, they finished second and um, 15th overall. And so, and again, that's out of 15, the... Um, in the boys' race, there was 82 runners. And so Alex uh, Holmgren finished 15th overall, looked really strong on the hills, was dodging in between, in and out of, of runners all the time. And then Daniel Asprey, who's been our strongest runner this year, he uh, moved up here from Craig this past year. His best time at state last year, or his time at state last year, was I think around a 2030. And this year he dropped three minutes. He went a 17.36. And uh, he just missed the state championship by by six seconds. And but he had a fantastic run. He uh, we asked him just to go out and run with the leaders and not burn his matches and get a feel for the competition to see what their pace was. And then when he felt comfortable to escape from them to go. And he waited till about the about the four k mark. They were still maybe three and a half k, and they were still pretty close together. And I think Daniel may, might have waited just a hair late. Um, and uh, so Daniel Harrison from Wrangell uh, won the state title, and the Wrangell boys won the, the team title. It was just a fantastic performance by Wrangell and by the Haynes team this year. And then uh, our Daniel Asprey finished second, just six seconds behind. And so as Wrangell was sprinting down the finish line, Daniel was just right behind him, just, you know, 50 yards behind him. And and then Alex, again, he just he had a terrific run being just a freshman to finish 15th in state. He didn't PR, but again, he had a terrific time. Um, one of the best times we've had for our freshmen on that state course. So 
uh, his potential next year is great. Um, Daniel, you know, we loved having him this year. Um, his potential for next year, you know, depending on his training, is going to be really good. I'm Gabrielle Whitaker. I'm a freshman in high school. I did well. I didn't PR on the course, but I ran my hardest, and it it went well. There's some pretty funny pictures of us all collapsed in the grass after that race. <laughs> it might be the best pictures of the season because we all look very dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was Petersburg High School cross-country team speaking with KFSK's Avery Herman Sakamoto. Governor Mike Dunleavy has indicated he will vote in favor of a constitutional convention at an Alaska Resource Development Council forum on Tuesday. Candidates for governor were asked during a lightning round if they would be voting for a constitutional convention. Candidates responded by raising yes or no signs. The Anchorage Daily News reports that Dunleavy and Republican Charlie Pierce raised yes signs. Former Governor Bill Walker, an independent, and Les Guerra, a Democrat, raised no signs. Alaska voters are asked every 10 years if there should be a convention to consider amending the state's constitution. While the question has been soundly defeated in the past, both sides of the debate have been preparing for a fight this year. The question will be on the November 8th ballot. The Alaska Public Offices Commission will hear a campaign finance complaint against Governor Dunleavy on Friday. It alleges that Dunleavy's campaign illegally coordinated with a third-party group called A Stronger Alaska by having Brett Huber simultaneously serve in both Dunleavy's campaign and A Stronger Alaska. A Stronger Alaska is funded by the National Republican Governors Association, which has already allocated at least $3 million to support Dunleavy's re-election. State law prohibits three third-party groups from coordinating with campaigns. A ruling in favor of the RGA and Dunleavy's campaign would clear the way for A Stronger Alaska to spend its money before the election. A ruling against the groups could force a stronger Alaska to pause its spending until it takes additional action, such as disbanding the group, refunding contributions, and then reforming the group. That process could be done quickly enough to allow spending before the election, but it would require the Republican Governors Association to disclose the donors behind the $3 million it gave to a stronger Alaska. Dunleavy leads his challengers in fundraising for the latest reporting period.